outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson, and this episode is all about planning an out-of-state turkey trip and how that can actually make you a better deer hunter. Listen, this might seem like a pretty weak thread tying two things together, but hear me out. Turkey hunting, which we were finally almost able to do, can make you a better deer hunter. This is no more true than when you decide to head out on a little over-the-road adventure in search of gobblers. Not only does this get you into unfamiliar territory, which is good for us as hunters, but it helps smooth out all the wrinkles of hunting travel and camping and all that jazz. And even if you think there's no way in hell you travel for a stupid bird, give this episode a listen. Maybe I can change your mind. Back in January, I dropped a couple episodes of this podcast that were dedicated to considering an over-the-road whitetail trip. If you haven't listened to them, I suggest you hop inside the Wayback Machine and go give them some of your time. If you have, and you're all on board with hitting the road, this episode is definitely for you. If you're on the fence and just kicking the tires while mind grinding over taking a trip, this episode is definitely for you. If you are in the no way in hell, I'm staying home no matter what category, this episode is uh, maybe, maybe not for you, but give it a listen anyway. Hunters often take trips. This is no surprise. Traveling to hunt is so popular now and kind of appears like it's a simple thing to do, especially if you're just scrolling through Instagram. And truly, we've, we've never had more information than we do these days. So in some ways, putting together an out-of-state trip really has never been easier. That doesn't make it easy, though. This is true for any trip, and it definitely is true if you're a first-timer. In that case, if the trip involves big game, and the big expenses that go with it, and a lot of expectations, the potential for the whole thing to go south is real. Bad weather. I don't know, a truck that decides it doesn't like shifting out of first gear anymore. Unexpected hunters in the field. 
poor game animal numbers, you name it. The traveling hunt is a lonely ship out there in the ocean, and there are a pile of torpedoes heading in its general direction at any given moment. A great way to mitigate the risk of the whole thing blowing up and leaving you with a sour taste in your mouth is to travel for something a little less important to you than 180-inch bucks. Something like, uh, I don't know, a silly bird with a nutsack on his chin and a couple of knives on his ugly feet? A bird that makes a laughable call? immediately turns on his fallen compadres and demonstrates less loyalty than a supervillain and well i don't know is composed of the kind of meat that is perfect for making kid approved nuggets the wild turkey i could probably do an entire year's worth of podcast episodes just like these but dedicated solely to hunting turkeys i love them i really do i think turkey hunting is more fun than most hunting in general except for maybe spotting and stalking mule deer even if turkey success is a little less rewarding than it is with bigger game. I think that we are damn lucky to have this goofy bird in so many different places where we can hunt him. I also think we are damn lucky that there are so many states that will sell us a license to hunt them, no matter where we call home. Even better, those states and those places you might travel to hunt turkeys, they're also home to whitetails, often many of them. And surprise, surprise, the turkeys live where the deer live or the deer live where the turkeys live. It doesn't really matter. They are all mixed up on the landscape, and that is a good thing for us. Now, I've mentioned on this show about how my first out-of-state hunts involve turkey travel, and honestly, quite a few of my current hunts do too. But I rarely head somewhere with the idea that the only thing I'm thinking about is how to arrow a gobbler or shoot one in the face with a shotgun. I'm always factoring in whether I want to hunt turkeys on ground that I also might want to hunt deer on. I'll give you an example of how this played out in my life recently. After drawing deer tags in Iowa in 2009 and 2013, I decided it was time to save up my points until I could find a good unit to hunt public land. I messed around for a few years, then took a trip to the southwest corner of the state to hunt turkeys and deer scout. The turkey hunting there was actually pretty sweet. The deer scouting was okay but just not enough to convince me to cash in my points and buy that spendy non-resident deer tag. So I kept looking. And in 2019, I decided to hunt turkeys in a different part of the state, again with the idea that I'd scout deer in the process. I picked a new area with a decent concentration of public land around, applied for a last season turkey tag, and made plans to go run and gun for a few days. I also booked a site at a campground and did a lot of e-scouting. After getting down there and setting up camp, I hiked into my first spot during an afternoon hunt. This spot has a dreamy meadow on top of a bluff. While a few gobblers responded that evening, nothing came in. So that night in camp, I opened up my OnX app and I picked out another spot that looked like a good place to hike into for a long beard, but it was also an area that I really wanted to scout deer in. When I woke up that morning, well before first light, it was crazy windy. And I never heard a gobble the entire time I hiked to the back of that property to set up. But as it got light and the morning progressed, I finally got a drive-by from a hen who came into my calling. And a little bit later after that, I was kind of leaning back and I thought I heard a bird drumming against the nonstop howl of 30 mile per hour winds. It was enough to get me to look at my decoy and then it all made sense because there was a monster Tom chest bumping it. How he got into my spread without my knowledge probably says a little too much about my ability to pay attention. But the good news was that he, he never even hardly flopped. 
after I lined up my bead on the base of his neck. Killing that old Tom was pretty sweet. But what was equally sweet was after I killed him, I spent some time scouting. I found pounded deer trails. I found rub lines. And the general deer sign in the area was impressive. In fact, it was enough to get me to apply for a deer license the following season, which led to a great hunt. In fact, that first meadow I set up in for turkeys, that's the place I spent the second morning of the season. And I saw seven bucks in there, including one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen anywhere, let alone on public land. And later in that hunt, I came back down and I killed a great buck in a spot that I had also scouted while turkey hunting. That same type of progression of events, that's happened to me in Nebraska. It's happened to me in South Dakota. It's happened to me in Wisconsin. And the key to all of this is to realize that a turkey trip can really function as a trial run for a deer hunting trip. So whether you're camping or setting up in a motel or staying with a family friend or a relative, you get to figure out the logistics of a trip. How far is your campground from your best hunting spot? How much of a pain is it to get back to the hotel every night? How many hunters do you see during turkey season? How are they accessing the properties you're hunting? As you're engaged in your over-the-road turkey trip, pay attention to these questions. You should be able to answer some of them. Like, I don't know, that 35-minute drive from the motel to the management area you want to hunt? That might not sound like much while you're sitting at home in January. But after three days of getting up two hours before dark and then hunting all day, that drive might feel like something a little different. It'll pretty much be the same thing during deer season, so pay attention. In fact, let me illustrate this by summarizing a conversation I recently had with Casey Smith from the Element Podcast. Casey is a whitetail killing stud who spends a lot of his time on public land chasing deer from Texas all the way up through the Midwest and the East. Suffice it to say, when he is in the deer woods, he has a good idea what he needs to do to be successful. He has enough experience to draw from that. If something goes wrong, which it always does, he can reset and keep himself in the game. It's a little tiny speed bump. I feel the same way when it comes to whitetails for the most part. But KC and I also got on the topic of elk and how neither one of us would claim to be anything but an eager novice when it comes to elk hunting. We talked about the difference in confidence from heading out on a mountain versus heading out on a management area in the Midwest. About how different it is to just find some deer versus finding elk. How different it feels to go from pretty confident to truly baffled. This feeling of not knowing what you're doing, that's a good thing for guys like us to be reminded of because we have a wide audience. Some folks who consume our stuff, they're stone cold killers and they listen in or watch mostly just for entertainment or it seems to probably judge us on the things that we do wrong in their eyes. But others are trying to learn and really trying to glean any tips or strategies they can to try to get better at something, something they're not all that confident in. Now, there are plenty of ways to highlight this lack of confidence in ourselves, but one sure way is to take that first trip over the road. That's when you're going to learn a lot about yourself, and you learn a lot about your ability to handle a little adversity while keeping a positive attitude. The thing about that is, it's a hell of a lot easier to stomach when you've got a $100 tag for a bird in your pocket versus a four or $500 tag for a whitetail. Now, if you think that won't matter to you, it might not. But mixing deer tags with ego, which we all have in the deer world, can do weird things to us. 
It sucks going on a deer trip only to start to believe you're going to eat tag soup and then have to tell your wife or your buddies or your coworkers that you drove all the way out there and you burned your vacation. You spent a ton of money only to kill the same amount of deer you'd have killed if you had never left at all. One of the best parts about this reality is that you can begin to develop that over-the-road confidence on a turkey trip, less at stake. That's going to feed your whitetail trips and possibly, I don't know, feed your desire to go travel for pronghorn or elk or mule deer or moose or whatever. It'll help you really start to be comfortable with your plan of travel and all of your digital scouting efforts, the thoroughness of your packing, your gear setups, all of that stuff. When you do this enough, setting up a tent in the dark and 40 mile per hour winds becomes not such a big deal. Or, I don't know, making coffee and oatmeal for yourself an hour before you hike into unfamiliar territory, that becomes easy and just part of the routine. Staying away from home for four or five days and keeping yourself on task, that kind of just suddenly becomes part of the trip and not something you really have to work on. It also helps you with the main component of a hunting trip, which isn't just killing something, but it's actual enjoyment. If you want to have a great experience, and I know you do, some level of been there, done that mixed with new adventure is the secret recipe for having a great hunt, regardless of whether you fill a tag or not. A turkey trip can give you the chance to learn about that type of hunting while you're simultaneously settling into the rhythm of the hunt, which I can tell you without question helps you find more success. And if you think finding more success on the road doesn't feed the desire to travel more, you're off your rocker there, Betty Crocker. There's nothing sweeter than traveling to a new state, to new ground, living in a tent for a few days, and filling a tag. Even if that tag is only on a turkey. Even if it's a Jake. Which, by the way, is as much of a trophy turkey as a six-year-old 30-pounder with two-inch hooks and five beards. Well, okay, maybe, it, maybe a Jake isn't as good as that bird. But I can tell you, I've been really happy many, many times to look up and see a group of short beards running into my spread. If I haven't convinced you yet, here's another benefit to a spring turkey road trip. You really get to test out your gear. Instead of buying a new pack or maybe a new pair of boots and then waiting until summer scouting or the actual deer season to give them a real test run, you can actually hunt with that stuff this spring. This goes for hunting gear, of course, you know, bows, accessories, whatever, but also for camping equipment if you choose to camp. And believe me, getting to know your tent, cot, sleeping pad, sleeping bag, lanterns, cooking setup, and whatever else during turkey season, that'll make your deer trips a lot easier to plan for and a lot more enjoyable. And on this note, which I fully admit I'm biased toward, I think you should consider camping if at all possible. You always have the backup of finding a motel somewhere if the camping thing doesn't work out. But you don't always have the benefit of finding a motel with vacancy near where you want to hunt. You can often find campgrounds close by, or depending on the state and type of land you're going to hunt, camp right where you're going to be chasing those birds. This might be the case on public land, and it might be the case on private land if you tap your network and you're like, I'm going to go out to South Dakota and hunt my long-lost uncle's farm. He might let you pitch a tent in his backyard. Who knows? It's a great way to go about a traveling hunt because you're in control of your little home base. That's a huge win in my book. And it has absolutely changed the game for me 
as far as how I plan all of my over-the-road hunts. If I can't camp in close proximity to the ground I plan to hunt, I'm probably going to look elsewhere. That's how important this is to me. Now, on a later episode of this podcast, I'll break down my whole whitetail camping setup. But for now, suffice it to say, camp if you can, for turkeys and for deer. Just do it. But now, to get back on the topic a little more, a turkey trip will not only help you familiarize yourself with your gear, but also tell you what you don't like about your gear. It's a better scenario to figure that stuff out in the end of April while you're turkey hunting than during the second week of November when you're deer hunting. You'll also get an idea how much food to bring on a trip. How many of those little green propane tanks you might need to, I don't know, fuel your lanterns and your, your blind heater or whatever. You'll get to figure out what blind chairs squeak, which ones don't. How tolerant you are of temperature swings while sleeping in a tent. How likely you are to enjoy a trip with a hunting buddy whose snoring kind of sounds just like a wildebeest experiencing an especially painful birth of its calf. You'll learn how the locals might treat you, how well the roads are maintained, which is really important in some places, what the tick numbers are like, whether you can actually cross that river in knee-high boots to hunt the promised land beyond the far bank, or if it's way too deep and it only looks like it's crossable when you look at it on satellite imagery. You'll learn a lot. You'll learn how much a trip like this really costs, how prone you are to ignoring the lunch meat in your cooler to drive to the nearest Arby's for some delicious curly fries and a roast beef sandwich. This is kind of like pitching in a minor league game to see if you really got the arm and the stamina and the mental pieces in place to jump up to the big show. I don't know. Okay, maybe that's a stretch, but you get my drift. All I'm saying is consider this. Consider it because taking a turkey hunting trip is just fun. And it's a beneficial move if you intend to become more of a traveling hunter in general. And tune in next week. I plan to keep talking turkeys and whitetails, but in a new way that will be relatable to you, whether you're going to drive 10,000 miles this spring in search of your turkey slam, or you just want to stay at home and gobbler hunt a few days on your grandpa's farm. That's it for this week, my whitetail-obsessed friends. This has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, and I'm your host, Tony Peterson. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't got enough of your whitetail fix this week, head on over to TheMeatEater.com slash Wired to check out deer hunting articles, or go look at our Wired to Hunt YouTube channel, where we drop new videos every single week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules 
from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.